1: Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I really feel like today's show is going to be so very important. I want you all to listen so that you'll know. I want you to bookmark the website this afternoon and forward the podcast to anyone you think might need this information. Some people have bad dreams about going to school with no clothes on or... I don't know, free falling from an airplane. Mine is walking in and finding that my mom is dead or something. So I'm so uh, pleased we're going to have some concrete information today. Hello, Professor Gershon.
2: Good morning, Liz. This really is an important show. We're so lucky to have uh, Rick Courtney with us today. He is very generous with his time on several MPB shows, and uh, and we're always uh, you know, grateful to have him on ours. Uh, please, Rick, would you please tell us a little bit about your practice background and, and you know where you practice?
3: Well, sure. After uh, Thank you, and good to be back on the show with you, Liz and, and Dean Gerson. Um, Graduated from Ole Miss Law School in December 77, went to work for my dad for several years um, as a general practice attorney. I had two daughters and twin daughters in 1979. One of my daughters has disabilities. So she still uses a a wheelchair user, lives at home with us still, worked part time in my office. uh, And so in dealing with the issues of a child or an adult with disabilities, I've tried to learn all I could about Medicaid and SSI and social security programs and uh, caregiving issues and uh, incapacity planning. And that evolved from special needs planning with families of people with disabilities to elder law because the issues are so similar. So over the last 30 plus years, uh, we have focused on elder law, which is focusing on the issues of people who are aging or who have disabilities, including children and adults with special needs. Um, And it's in the areas of housing, taxes, estate planning, incapacity planning, uh, all the issues that might arise that uh, give problems for those uh, populations. So that's what we do at uh, Courtney Elder Law Associates in Jackson. Um, we do elder law estate planning and special needs law planning primarily. So.
2: Well, and today we're, we're so pleased to have you to talk about a really tough issue and one. Actually, I've, I've been dealing with on a personal level and that is what happens uh, when uh, someone dies unexpectedly. Sometimes they're somewhere else. You know, They're not in the, in the same place that y- you are. Where do you start? Uh, and, you know, with COVID, it makes it obviously even more complicated. But where, where does somebody start when they, when they have this unexpected death and there's no well, plan?
3: Yeah, if you're talking about someone who's not in a hospital or a long-term care setting or an acute care setting, but they're at home and you discover that they've passed away, and that's sort of the... Uh, problem scenario. I think we're trying to address today primarily. Yeah, that, that's
1: my nightmare. You you, yeah. you, you, they don't answer the phone. You go to their home, and there's not really, you, there's not a doubt that this individual is not with you anymore.
3: Right. Uh, at that point, who do you call? It's not Ghostbusters, uh, you know, but uh, you call the sheriff's office if you're in the county or the police department if you are in a city uh, and they know what to do or you can call a physician if you know who their doctor is or a doctor locally if you are wondering about well are they really deceased or if there's some possibility of uh, reviving them you call E nine one one, you know to come in those people know what to do as well if someone has passed away they know who to call but then uh, otherwise across the street neighbor of mine years ago he had he was on hospice care at times and he's his health declined but he stayed at home with good care through hospice and one weekend, I noticed a car, some other cars were there, and his daughters were in from out of town. They'd come in, and, and I walked over, and I said, I rang the doorbell, and I said, well, is Sonny here? And they said, well, no, Rick, he just passed away this morning at home. And they were there with him, so it wasn't like somebody couldn't reach him, and they had a shock of finding it out. But I said, oh, well, do I need to do anything? Because the last thing I knew is he had done a will and appointed me as the executor, his neighbor. And they told me quickly that uh, one of his friends was there with them at the home. And they said, well, no, he did some other wills after that one. So you're not the guy that takes responsibility anymore. And I said, wow, that's a relief. But I'm so sorry that he's passed away. They said, no, we called the coroner. They knew to do that. They said, we've called the coroner, and his office is going to be here soon to pronounce the cause of death and all that, but uh, we knew what it was. So the medical examiner or coroner in Mississippi is the person who will generally pronounce a cause of death Someone, and uh, or a physician. Those are the two uh authorized uh, certifiers of death in Mississippi. It's a medical examiner or a physician.
1: We are talking today about what do you do when someone dies with our guest attorney, elder law attorney, Rick Courtney from Courtney Elder Law Associates. You can send us an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. If you have a question... I'm so glad we're having this conversation, but I want to let all of our listeners know that on the show notes for this broadcast, it'll be online, it'll be on a podcast, it'll be on YouTube. We'll have some links for some checklists for what to do when a loved one dies, what to do if you are listed as an executor.
2: And and Liz, you know, uh, one of the things I hope that that Rick and I can get across today is that don't leave your family with this problem without some kind of plan. You know, I I think that's the big thing, because if, if you haven't talked to them about what you want to have happen to your body or where your stuff is, you know, somebody needs to know. What you have and where it is. I mean, so those are just things that uh, if you if you I know a lot of people don't like to talk about it or think about it or have a will or have an estate plan. But what you're doing is you're saving your family from this trauma.
1: I remember yeah, but, one time on uh, Oprah she talked about this, and so I ran out and bought it's a little booklet, and you know it says you you can write down I, I hide well, I hid it in my house so the robbers wouldn't find it, but I've told my kids where it is you know it says who all the insurance is with it says where the will is it says what." What scripture readings I want to have read, you know, it has all of that information, and I've shared mm-hmm. that with them. So I, I hope other people will take those kinds of steps also.
3: Exactly. Yeah, my mother did that. She she had a notebook, and when she moved from her home in Crystal Springs up to a personal care home near us in Madison. Uh, She said, here's the notebook. It's got my obituary. It's got everything I've written out for my funeral service and listing all of her church bonds and the things she, it was easy for me to say, I'm okay. I'm parking this in a secure place and I know where to go when I need to.
2: And it's so important. It's so important to share that information with somebody. The other thing, what about passwords? You know, these days, a lot of people have their information stored electronically securely. we don't want to share our passwords with a lot of people, but you know there's got to be somebody who knows how to get into that information otherwise i mean where so where do they even start Rick I mean you know let us go with that I mean what you got somebody who who died suddenly uh, and the family doesn't have there's no no estate plan there's no information. How do they find everything
3: well and um Let me let me address two things that I tell any executor. We mentioned executor earlier and we'll get right back into your question. But um, if someone calls me from the funeral home or, or, you know, and they say, Rick, we've got uh, mom has passed away or dad has passed away. What do we do? And I say, are you the executor? Is there a will? Well, yeah, we think she had a will. Um, And I think I'm executor in it, or my sister is, said, all right, the executor has two responsibilities immediately. That is to find the original will and keep it safe so you can give it to an attorney to probate when the time comes, if it needs to be probated. And the second thing is the executor's responsibility is to secure all of the possessions of the deceased person you know they go in th- does their home need to have uh, more security locks and bars on it does it need to have security codes changed or locks changed so people can't come and go and take things which the will says goes to someone else and then you've got a problem so the is supposed to secure things. take if you go to the safe deposit box or go into mom's um Jewelry box, and you're going to take things out. And take someone with you who can video or take pictures and uh, confirm what was there when you got there, so nobody can later say, "Well, you must have taken something; it's not here now." And you know, verify what you're taking to take it and secure it in a secure location, so those things don't just go uh, missing later. Those are the two things I tell people because there's no deadline for probating a will, as Den Gerson, you know, in your classes. You know, you can probate a will ten years after somebody died if it's necessary, but um, you do need to take charge of those things. But uh, you know, how do you find things? Well, you got to go through that deceased person's stuff. You go to their home. Where did they keep things? Did they have a safe deposit box? Are you listed on the uh, registry list as someone who can get into that box? If not you're going to have to get a court order to get into that box. Um, And then you just go through their papers. Uh, And that's the hard thing. A lot of clients we've seen said, well, we're still going through, you know, it's been a month after my parent passed away and we're still going through their house, trying to find everything. And we're finding the bills here and there. We're finding checks they didn't get put in the bank before they died. We're finding all kinds of things. So, that's the difficult thing. It does. It helps so much for even me. I have my stuff organized in binders, and I can. I've told my wife, "You call my secretary if I pass away suddenly. So you call my secretary. You know exactly where everything is. You go grab those binders. You got everything you need. And you talk about she. She's so relieved that she doesn't have to figure out what all we have and where it is and what the passwords are. So. It does make it so much easier to do some, a little bit of writing it down, organizing the information so that people behind you don't have to guess and search and hunt.
1: You can always send us an email with your questions, terms, at mpbonline.org. We're discussing what do you do when someone dies? With our guest, attorney Richard Courtney, Rick is a font of information, and I'll tell you how you can learn more next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is In Legal Terms. Not everybody has a chance to listen to our show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill. I'm here with Professor Richard Gershen from the University of Mississippi School of Law. We absolutely love having Rick Courtney on In Legal Terms. He is a wealth of information. His website is a wealth of information. And that website is ElderLawMS.com. This morning we're talking about what do you do when someone dies? with our guest, attorney Rick Courtney. Our phone lines are full at this moment. As soon as someone's call is finished, you can call in and get in line, just like Jamie has done. Jamie, thank you so much for calling in from Loosedale. You're on In Legal Terms. What's your comment or question?
0: Good morning to all thanks for taking my call. Uh, parents were married many years, decided it was best for them to get a divorce. Several years after that, was remarried to each other and been married several years since. Uh, At the divorce, my father had uh, signed over any of his rights to property, homestead, property, that kind of stuff. My mother finished paying it off. So my question is, since they've remarried, uh, property is in her name, not in his name. Does he have any legal rights to it now since they have remarried? but to each other.
3: Jamie, this is Rick, and the answer is yes. Um, I think I did a newsletter article uh, just a couple months ago, within the last two or three months, about homestead rights. Uh, And you can go on our website and sign up for that email newsletter. It goes out around the first Tuesday of every month. Uh, But, yes, there are kind of four types of homestead rights that a person has just by virtue of being married and one of them owning a home, um, she has the right as a surviving spouse or the surviving spouse has the right to continue to reside in that homestead as their home as long as they are living uh, and after death, even though they weren't the title owner of the home. Um, Also, there are uh, homestead rights against uh, the creditors of the home, uh, that can't come against the home while that person's residing there. So, yes, there are homestead rights that a surviving spouse has, even though they weren't the title owner.
0: Okay, so on the property, they have, if if she had a, a my mother had given my father a lifetime estate to reside in the home, how does that affect the property that she owns other than the home being uh distributed out in her will to her uh,
3: heirs if if there was non-homestead property that she kept that she gave him a life estate and she was the remaining owner is that what you're saying
0: yes yes there's say if there's several hundred acres and and i guess it's all under homestead then that would be he would have a, a right to that all of the homestead property house everything
3: well the homestead rights that i mentioned pertain to homestead property so to the extent it's homestead property yes those rights would pertain but if there's not a portion of the property that is not considered homestead for some reason it's disconnected it's farm property somewhere else then if the life estate owner passes away then it's still owned solely by her as the remaining remainder owner and she can leave it to whoever she wants to in her will at her death. Okay. I think I understand. Thanks for taking my call. All right. Consult a lawyer about it to get a good opinion, though.
1: Thanks, Jamie. We appreciate you calling in. We're moving to Oxford, and let's speak with David. David, thanks so much for calling in, to in legal terms. What's your comment or question?
4: Well, my question is uh, regarding one of my colleagues who was a professor at the University of Mississippi. Well, he died at the beginning of March uh, of a stroke, and as far as we can tell, there was no will. He is—he was never married and has no, tro- and no children. So we found—we found his brother, who is, I guess, his next of kin. The question is, what do we? How do we proceed from now? He was living in an apartment. We've had to move all the stuff out of there and put it in storage, which we've done. And so we're we're kind of good with the, uh, with the landlord. But uh, now what?
3: Yeah, this is Rick again. Uh, If you've identified, and yes, if he had no surviving spouse or children then his next of kin would be his surviving parents and siblings. So the brother would be a, a, an heir of his and entitled to his assets under inheritance law, uh, what the lawyers call intestate succession law. Right. Um, inheritance law would leave the brother those assets. And so securing them, notifying the brother of his uh, the brother's death and that he has the right to those things, uh, there may be a probate necessary. Well, yeah. Probably not for personal property like furniture and things, clothing, and that sort of thing. But for money assets in the bank or land that he might have owned, there might be a necessity of a probate to pass the title, clear title, on to the brother. So he would have to hire a lawyer to do a probate if that's necessary. Well, can
4: yeah, I, 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 well, he, yeah, he does have uh, financial assets. He, uh, as far as things he owns with a title, I think it's just his car, but uh, I don't think he had any property, but not 100% certain on that. Uh, and his brother is uh, living out of state and not at least waiting a little bit before he's able to travel uh, with COVID and all. Uh, you know, and there, I think, you know, he was. Uh, almost 70, and his brother's probably
3: similar age. And, you were about to say something, else, I think.
2: Well, just one, the one thing, I, you know, I always worry about creditors, too, you know, because we talk about assets, and you mentioned probate, Rick, and I think one reason that would be important to con- consider going ahead with probate, uh, you know, when you can is, Rick, you know, is it not true that then the creditors have, you know, have only a certain period of time to file their claims once probate has started?
3: That's right. There's a 90-day period. That's what probate is for. It's not so that the heirs will become the owners. The brother is the owner of those assets by inheritance law right now, but he doesn't have clear title to the car or to other assets. Probate is there for the creditors to have an orderly process to be notified, get their debts paid off, and then the remaining assets pass on free and clear to the surviving heir. So that's the probate process. And unless you do the probate, their claims might still be attached to those assets once they pass on to the brother. So that's why it might be important to do a probate. If there are some significant money accounts and an automobile uh, is, you know, if a creditor is owed some money, like a bank loan or a credit card bill that that he owed before at his death, if they don't get paid off, they, they would say, well, we're entitled to have the court probate and sell that automobile and pay our debt first,
4: and that's what that process
3: is for.
1: David, did that help you?
4: Well, what are the actual steps on starting the probate? Who do we contact uh, first?
3: Well, the person who's going to open a probate when there's no will would be called an administrator, and that is anyone who's interested in that deceased person's affairs can go before the court as administrator and open the probate. I think contacting the brother, seeing if he's interested in doing that himself, let him hire a lawyer. He's gonna to need to hire a lawyer in okay. to, to open a probate in the county where the deceased brother lived at his de- time of his death. That's generally right. where probate is open. So uh, coordinate with him and see if he's willing to undertake that and go forward with that hiring a lawyer. Okay. and you can help him, you know by coordinating that here with him if he's out of state you could assist him with that but um just decide who's gonna do it and then get a lawyer to handle that process
4: okay, great I was just concerned whether some whether someone had to go go to the court uh, soon or this just has to be done through a lawyer and if if that's the case we'll oh we'll, i I've had one recommendation from uh uh, Dr. Garrison already about uh, someone to be a lawyer, so we'll we'll pass that on to him, and then uh, let let him start looking around because it probably I presume it probably would be better to be a Mississippi lawyer than a lawyer from that person's home state.
3: Yes, yeah, so we would have to be uh, authorized to practice law in Mississippi to go before the court here. So,
1: and you mentioned being in that county. It needs to be a lawyer in Lafayette County. Is that right, Rick?
3: No, the lawyer can be anywhere. We've probated estates in counties all over the state, but the the forum for a probate of a deceased person's estate is in the county where they lived at the time of their death or where they own real property. That's another possible venue where you would file
1: Thank you, David. We appreciate you calling in. Email us with your questions. The address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking with attorney Rick Courtney about being named an executor in a will. Where can you get a checklist for what to do if you're named an executor? I'm going to tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershen is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast Tons and tons of different podcasting platforms. I happen to like Podcast Addict. Someone else might like Stitcher or have an iPhone and use that podcast application. You put it on your phone, or maybe it's already there, touch a plus or something that takes you to a page to search for podcasts, I typed in in legal terms, it brought up our show, then I'm able to touch the photo and subscribe. That way I'm notified when any new episodes are loaded up. This morning we're talking about what do you do when someone dies with our guest attorney, Rich Courtney. Rick has provided me with a great checklist on what to do when a person dies. I'm going to share it on the website for this show. You'll be able to find it on the show notes, the information when you visit our main page, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Rick, I'm going to ask you something to clarify that I didn't understand when we were talking about uh, David's question Someone dies, they don't have a will, that means they don't have an executor that was named in the will. So you mentioned an administrator could open a probate, and I guess the administrator could contact a lawyer, not to be kind of cheap about it, but then is the administrator on the hook for the cost of the lawyer, or uh if they're rifling around and find a, a a bank statement you know they can see that there's some money that the person who dies could pay for the lawyer what how much you know is the administrator just a good samaritan
3: well it could be Liz uh, the before you would be appointed administrator you would have already gone to the lawyer because In a will, I can name an executor. That is the person who is supposed to, at my death, get my will to a lawyer, decide if it needs to be probated, and then signs the paperwork that the lawyer prepares in the probate process. When there's no will, no one is named to do those things. So that is where an individual comes forward who is willing to do it. Usually, it's one of the heirs. Who would say, well, yeah, it's in my best interest to get this estate probated and get these assets free and clear to me and my siblings, whoever. So a person comes forward, says, I will undertake to be the, quote, executor. But in this case, it's called an administrator. And I will go hire the lawyer. At that point, they're going to have to talk with the lawyer. What are the fee arrangements? Does the lawyer charge an upfront fee to start the estate? And if so, they'll pay that but then they would ask out of the estate assets at the time the estate's to be closed, that they get reimbursed back for those fees they advance on behalf of everybody in the estate. So the administrator is what the person who would otherwise be an executor, if they were named in a will, you call them the administrator if there's an estate with no will uh, going forward. The processes are basically the same uh, once you get beyond that opening stage.
1: Fantastic. Let's go to the phones. We're going to have our uh, third Richard of the show. This Richard is in Biloxi. Uh, Richard, thank you for calling in, talking to Richard and Rick about uh, probate and uh, executors and what to do when someone dies. Go ahead.
0: Thank you. I have two questions. Uh, One, and probably the most cumbersome to answer is would you discuss the difference between a trust and a will and the second question what do you do well apparently you don't do anything if you're deceased but what do you do uh when you have family competing to file probate i want to file probate no i'm gonna file probate and there's nobody named as administrator in the will
3: all right. Um, I can take the first question, Dean Gerson, you wanna talk about what the difference between a trust and a will is, since you teach it?
2: Well, it's, it is it, it is a complicated question, but I, I'll certainly give it a shot. And a will is something that directs, it, it's a document that's only effective once the person dies, and it, it really does direct what happens to property at someone's death. Uh, and that property will then go through the probate process that Rick has talked about trust there are a lot of different kinds of trust Uh, rick courtney has been on our show talking about special needs trust and they they are you know a unique entity but a trust is considered really a separate person under the law and it it owns the property and so people sometimes will use trust oftentimes we'll use trust to avoid probate by setting up a trust that they call a grantor trust or a living trust revocable living trust which uh, the assets are owned by the trust and and I can use them while I'm still alive uh, as either a beneficiary or a trustee or both if I set the trust up. But when I die, then the trust will own the assets still ac- and, and distribute the assets according to my wishes within the trust. And those assets pass outside of probate law. Uh, and there are you know, other benefits with the trust, which would be in the event, if let's say I'm trustee of my own trust, if I if I become disabled, I can appoint someone who will step in and, and manage my property and that disability. That was what I, what I do in 15 weeks, I just did in about uh, 30 seconds, but Rick, I, if you please add whatever you'd like to that.
3: No, no, that's a great, that's a great explanation. I usually tell clients a will is written, here's, here's the, the official formal definition of a will. A will is written instructions about what happens with your stuff when you die. That's all a will is. And it can say I leave it outright to someone or I leave it in trust for young people or disabled people in trust. But nothing in a will happens, as you said, Ingersen, nothing in a will happens until I die. My will, because I, the day before my death, I could tear my will up and i die without a will. So uh, nothing in there is gonna take place. Any trust I set up in a will is not a trust until after my death. And so, but the revocable trust and my wife and I, did our estate plan with a revocable trust we set up our trust we named ourselves as trustees and beneficiaries and we our home is now titled in the name of our trust so that will not go through a probate at our death Uh, our trust successor trustee that we've named to carry it out after we're gone will read the trust and distribute the assets that the trust owns the way that we've described in there she'll go to the bank get checks cut to the people we say get the money She'll go get a deed drawn up for our home to deed it to whoever the trust says get it deeded to. And that's the extent of what she'll have to do. So uh, that's, that's the difference. I hope we explained that well. Uh, you know, uh, a two-lawyer def- two explanation ought to do that <laughs> uh, for the difference between a will and a trust. Now, how do you, how do you uh, mitigate between people who are fighting over who's going to be executor? Well, they both get lawyers and they go to court. That's how you decide it, unless they can agree otherwise. Um, If one wants to be executor and the other said, I don't know why anyone wants to be the executor necessarily, because they're under the supervision of the court and they're obligated to follow the law and to do what the law says. But they've got these responsibilities of marshalling assets and protecting them, of signing documents that the lawyer provides in the probate So it's just a responsibility without any additional benefits. If they are a beneficiary of the estate, they are going to get what the estate left them, what the will left them. So I I have seen situations, though, where there was an executor. Wasn't being forthcoming, wasn't agreeing to share information, wasn't showing the will, and the and the attorney representing that executor says, "Well, they won't let me. I'm not going to show it either." And other beneficiaries get frustrated about that. They're shut out of that probate process. So, there may be a reason to challenge someone being an executor. Or administrator and someone else says, I I would be better at this job and they can certainly get a lawyer and go to court and challenge that if they want to.
1: Richard, did that help you?
0: That did.
3: Thank you.
1: We appreciate you calling in. Let's go to Edwin, who's calling in from Bay St. Louis. Edwin, thanks for calling in, too. In Legal Terms today, our guest is Rick Courtney from Courtney Elder Law. He and Professor Richard Gershon are helping us learn what do you do when someone dies, what does an executor do, what are the steps. So, Edwin, what is your question?
5: First of all, thanks for taking my call I have a question for Mr. Courtney. He kind of touched on it before when the caller was talking about, say, for example, um, I'm married and I owned this house um, before I was married. And um, anyway, my wife's not on title, and she's concerned about that, that if I die, that someone can take her house away from her. But I think the, um, the attorney said that um, something about homesteading, so that won't happen correct?
3: That's correct. Homestead rights in Mississippi. Mississippi's law has a strong protection of spouses' rights, and that's one of them, the homestead protection. So at your death, as the surviving spouse who who has resided in that place as her home can continue to reside there and uh, would not have be be forced out.
5: Okay. So anyway, I can find any um, documentation for that so I can assure? If you would
3: email my office, uh, you can do mm-hmm. that through the website, elderlawms.com. Uh, if okay. you want to email my office, and or you can send it directly to me. That's rick at elderlawms.com. I will send you the newsletter that we uh, sent out a few months back that explains the homestead rights of a survive, of a spouse.
5: Okay, sir. And you said that was Rick at elderlaw.com.
3: Rick R I C K
5: at M S dot com. M S. dot com. Okay, I must be frank I I did like before we married. Cause we've been married like uh, four years. and We've been together for like twenty something years. No kids, but um, I did one time put her on title because she was bugging me about it. And then when we got married, I said, well, I'm going to take you off because you got got um, student loan debt, and they may come and take the um, the house for collateral. So I went to a, a lawyer and, you know, took her off, and now she's been press me about putting her back on, which I have no problem with, but if it's not necessary, like you said, I won't worry about it.
3: Well, I can send you that information, and I just want to be clear: I'm not a family marital counselor, so mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you will have those <laughs> discussions between yourselves as you would. But uh, I can certainly give you a little more information about homestead rights.
5: Well, I, I appreciate. It. I, I just want to make sure that you know she's taken care of. You know, when when I'm when I'm gone, she's got all my um, sure. federal um, retirement already in her name. So I appreciate the call I and mean, taking my call. Thank you, Edwin. Have a good day.
1: Edwin may have just given us uh, a new topic. Professor Gershon, maybe in about three (laughs) or four months, we'll talk all about homestead laws. We've got a few minutes left for our next segment. We're going to take your questions on our email address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. Where can you hear more about estate planning? I'm going to tell you next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
3: grayson you can now listen to the wild weird and wonderful stories of mississippi with mile marker
1: slowly we started you know picking these turtles up and saving them i'll
3: stop traffic grab one out of the road
1: and then our friends found out and our vet would call us
3: join me as we hit the roads of mississippi
1: on mile marker we are now a full-fledged non-profit turtle rescue
3: you can listen by going to mpbonline.org radio or by using your favorite podcasting app mile marker
4: a mississippi roads podcast Hey there, it's David Green. You know, there comes a time when you've just got to let go of that old vehicle. Maybe it has lots of great memories, but it's also maybe just taking up space. And selling it can be such a hassle. So here's one thought. Let this station take that vehicle off your hands. Proceeds from the sale benefit this station, and you could get a tax break. Thanks.
0: Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org.
1: Thank you for being part of our show, In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show, in inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill, here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Wills, estates... Trusts. These are some of the, in legal terms, most popular shows. We love hearing about uh, from our expert Rick Courtney on the show to answer your questions, and we've got him on the show today. You can find his podcasts on the following dates: October twenty seventh, twenty twenty. July twenty seventh, twenty nineteen, and May fourteenth. 2019. We're talking with Rick Courtney from Courtney Elder Law. Joe, hang on. We're going to get to your call, but we got some uh, breaking news from Rick Courtney. Rick, you were mentioning about where you can find out regulations from the Department of Health on who fills out what from a death certificate. Can you share that with us, and I'll make sure it's on our website.
3: Oh, yes. If you Google the Mississippi Department of Health and come to, the, to their web page, you can look on the left side, the navigation panel, and find registration of deaths. You might have to go under vital records first, and maybe that link, vital records, and then it's, there's one for registration of deaths. They have an entire, like, 40-page uh, handout, handbook for their internal purposes of what the requirements are for doing death certificates, who has to certify cause of death, who has to prepare which portion of the death certificate, whether it's the uh, funeral director or an attending physician or coroner, and who has to do what, within what time limit. So I found that to be interesting if I was interested about how death certificates are prepared and, and processed.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, paperwork makes the world go round. Let's go to our last call of the show. It's Joe who has called in. Joe, what is your comment or question for uh, our attorney, Richard Courtney, uh, from Courtney Elder Law, talking about what you do when someone dies?
6: All right, thank you. Uh, my question is that uh, my parents, uh, they all. Gone, and we have a house, and we have six of seven of uh, there living. And the question is that okay, somebody tell me that the the grandchildren could could uh, say that we want to, uh, it's six of seven living that we get together that say we want to sell the property, but with the grandkids. Uh, from uh my other seven that did could would they come before the children saying that we want to sell and they spend they they don't want to spend some you know
3: uh joe a good good point uh when someone passes away without a will like your parents Mm -hmm. i'm they didn't have a will is that correct Right. and so their their property uh, descended, then passed on to their surviving spouse or children. Well, if your last surviving parent passed away, it would have gone down to the children. If one of the your siblings, one of their children was deceased at that time, then that would have gone to that deceased child's children. So, grandkids could be. Owners of that property, along with you and your siblings. Mm-hmm. And okay. so they would well, have the rights of their parents.
6: Yeah. So if, we, if, if the six of us, us you know, children say, get together, we won't say, well, we want to set the problem. So the grandkid, they can object uh, on on, uh, on their parents, Is that what you said?
3: They, they have the rights of their parent, your deceased sibling. So uh, they, they have the same rights that you and your siblings have about it. If y'all decide, if y'all agree, if everyone agrees, you can divide the mm-hmm. property up and do new deeds on portions, and everybody gets mm-hmm. their own piece. Or mm-hmm. if there's no agreement, any one of you can file a lawsuit called a partition lawsuit in court to mm-hmm. have the mm-hmm. court separate that property and pay you out of your share. Okay. So, even- right.
6: so uh-huh. in other words the grandkids they would have all them what I think it probably what some eight or them so they would have to agree with that too before we the children could get together. That's what you said. I right, everybody will have to agree. Yes, if, that, if they are owners of an
3: interest in property because their parent had died before your parent, and so they ended up getting that share, yes, they would have to agree to everything y'all are agreeing to. Um,
6: and, all right, they answered that question. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yes, sir, Joe. Take care.
2: Joe, thank you. And that's, that's really, Rick, that's a, a whole other show on heirs' property that uh, we have actually done in the past and can do again because it really does, again, come back to – how important it is to do estate planning to help people avoid the situation that Joe's in right now, you know, uh, or uh, that uh, people are in when they don't know where to start. And you know, we, you and I were talking about these, you know, credit card debts and things like that 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 people have to uncover when someone dies suddenly. And and you mentioned uh, powers of attorney uh, during the break. Could you talk a little bit about that?
3: Sure. If I pass away and I and well, at my death, my power of attorney is no good anymore. So a power of attorney gives someone the authority. If I become incapacitated, they can find out what my debts are. They can talk to my credit card company about canceling a credit card before my death. If I've given them a power of attorney and given them authority to do those things. So it's very important piece of planning. Everybody needs powers of attorney. I just, that's my stand on it, medical and financial. But a power of attorney does not exist past my death. So at that point, I should have let them know what I have and where it is. You know, that's what we started the show with, um, you know, do a list. Just I've got a, a, a worksheet in our office we can send to anybody that contacts us and asks for it at 601-987-3000. That's our phone number. And call and ask Ginger to send you our financial information form. And it's a checklist. It's got all kind of assets listed. You can put the information down. Your kids will love you for doing it so that they can find things and know what you have.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Rick Courtney. Courtney. Elder Law. We'll have all the information, all the phone numbers, all the links from the show notes for this show. That's going to wrap us up for today's In Legal Terms. Thank you, Michelle McAdoo and Jay White. And thank you, Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.